Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, the final four is set. Rodgers, still nothing. I could do the NFL draft tomorrow. Baseball starts Thursday. Our book is out next week. We are ready to roll here, people. Let's do this. Here we go! go, go. Only one place to start. All right, uh, we are back in better than ever, and it is good to be back here again. I will say that uh, I could have lived without immediate technical problems the second upon my return. <laughs> I don't hear anything, so I hope that we are on the air right now because it is not evident to me that we are, but we're going to proceed as if we are, and we're going to proceed with Chris Canty uh, in our studio here alongside Hembo and the assembled members of the Hashtag crew. We got all kinds of trouble going on here, but we're going to clear it all up, and there's only one thing that I need, Canty. I need only one thing to cheer me up. As I've been away, and I'll talk a little bit about that, where I was and why I was where I was and all the rest of that for anyone who does it no but i there's only one thing that i know what's that song all i want for christmas is my two front all i want (laughs) is this aaron Rodgers thing to get settled and get done i figured i'm going to go away week it's going to happen maybe i missed the news because i've been a little out of it where the hell are we with this thing and why aren't we where we need to be well greeny it's going to happen right now there's no time pressure for either side but that's going to change as we move closer to the nfl draft because not only do i think it makes more sense for the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers in-house, but I also think it makes more sense for the Packers to be able to move on from him because they have the opportunity to get players or at least get capital to acquire players that can make Jordan's love's life a lot easier in year one as a starter. And as a general manager, you want to make moves to support the decisions, the convictions that you have about players. And it's been a rocky road in Green Bay the last couple of years because of the GM drafting the successor to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. So in order to get his career started off on the best possible track, you need those draft picks. Because the last thing you want, if you're the Green Bay Packers, is to allow this thing to linger in the training camp and potentially see Aaron Rodgers show up to camp and force his way on the field. If that happens and Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, all of a sudden you're on the hook for that $60 million. So I think it makes much more sense for not only the Jets, but for Green Bay to execute this trade before the NFL draft. One can only hope. And can I just confirm, we're on the air, right? I mean, we're, I, I don't hear anything. So yeah, we're some, on the air. We someone confirmed to me. So, Chris Canty, you're not the person I need confirmation. <laughs> we're on the air. I'm aware that you're talking. I'm not aware. Nothing else seems to be working. So, all right, we will just keep rolling as though everything is fine, and we will root for the best. If we're the only people hearing it, then so be it. It'll be a good conversation anyway. Hembo is here. Uh, Bubba and Cam are back in Bristol, and we'll continue here. So, what... what What's holding this thing up? I mean, I guess is my question to you here. And then whatever it is that's holding it up, what changes? So what I'm saying is this. Here's my concern about this. Everyone keeps telling me it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Teddy Bruschi, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry. Field Yates, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't worry. Here's the problem. Nothing changes between now and the NFL draft. Literally nothing. So if you and I don't see eye to eye, let's just say you and I have some fundamental disagreement on something. I don't know what, but it doesn't make any difference what it is. In the absence of some event taking place, there's no reason that you and I are going to change our positions on it, right? I, 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 I mean, I, I like chocolate, you like vanilla, and unless they, you know, change the way the flavors taste, then nothing is going to change that. So nothing changes here. Everyone knows the first deadline is the draft. There's no reason this happens before the draft, and that's a month away. And a lot of weird things can happen in a month in the National Football League. Sure, but something did change. We saw that last week when the Jets shipped Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns. They added a second-round pick. Now, if you ask the Jets after giving them some truth serum, I'm sure they would tell you they didn't want to get rid of Elijah Moore. Certainly, they didn't consider trading him last year when he had a trade demand. 
But they decided that they were going to move him because the pick was more important. I'm assuming that that pick is going to be a part of whatever trade compensation goes back to Green Bay in order to execute the Aaron Rodgers trade. So in this situation, the Jets are acquiring more capital in order to make sure that they have the ammunition to make their best and final on the eve of the NFL draft. But if you're Joe Douglas right now, there's no reason to make your best offer. You've got time. But I think as we get closer to the draft, you're going to see some movement on that front in terms of where the Jets are at and what they're willing to give up in order to get it. So, so here's the thing. When I keep hearing there's time, here's my concern with that is that I think the time is important. Like, I, I understand we live in a world now where um, all of the Jets receivers can go hang out with Aaron Rodgers in Malibu or wherever it is that he lives in California. They can do some sort of modified passing camp. But I have visions in my head of Aaron Rodgers coming to OTAs and whatever it is that stuff that happens uh, with the Jets. Now, I know people think, oh, he didn't do that in Green Bay. He only stopped doing that in Green Bay at the very end when he was already disgruntled. The dirty little secret of this is he used to go to that all the time. He participated in that all the time. The year that he went to Hawaii, Hembo, whatever year that was, when he was there with the actor Miles Teller and whatever Mm -hmm. else was going on, it was notable. I remember saying on the air, it was notable that he was missing the OTAs because it was the first time he had ever missed them. So he is a guy who has shown up to that stuff in the past. I do think there's value in that stuff. If there wasn't, I don't think they would bother doing it. I think this feels important. But I think we can take our cues from Vegas because they know. They know for sure. And we came out with the over-unders over the weekend. Caesar Sportsbook, that's who we use. And the Jets over-under is 9.5, which is the exact same figure as Miami. There is no hedge there. The Jets with Aaron Rodgers is going to be 9.5. That's what it was, was going to be always, and, that will, and when they acquire him, it will not change. So they know for sure that it's going to happen. All of your insider friends know for sure that it's going to happen. If I were you, I'd want them to wait because I'd want that price to go down. I don't want them trading that 13th pick to Green Bay now just to have an extra month to make myself feel better. Sometimes you have to trust the adults in the room to make the right decision at the right time. As a Jets fan, I understand why you don't trust the adults. Yeah, in the I room. don't trust the adults. Yeah, I, I, get that. I, I completely get I don't that. trust adults. I don't trust the kids. I don't trust the senior citizens. There, there, are, there is no age demographic that I trust when it comes to any of this. I want the deal to get done because there's only one thing I know for certain, and that is until it gets done, it's not done. And there's always the chance that something goes wrong. And Chris, you have to understand that in my life, when there's a chance that something might go wrong, it generally does. So I can't live with that. I need this to get better. Yeah, I get it. Jets fans are not used to nice things, but I will say this. There's a reason why the Jets are tied with the Philadelphia Eagles for the four shortest odds to win the Super Bowl this year. It's because Aaron Rodgers is going to be your starting quarterback. And if you look at the quarterback play that they got last year, the Jets were 29th in QBR behind the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, and the Denver Broncos. Now, two of those teams have the top two picks in the draft, and the other team has Russell Wilson, who's coming off of career lows across the board when it comes to his productivity. So that's about as bad as it gets. You were 31st in passing touchdowns. The only team in front of you were the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were starting a rookie quarterback. There's no place to go with your quarterback play but up. Yeah. And that's what Aaron Rodgers is going to provide you. So for a seven-win team to have that big of a swing where you're now viewed as a legitimate title contender, but not only the fan base, but by Vegas, that's saying something. So, Greeny, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A. 
X. Yeah, that's a gene I don't possess. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. The one thing I did have plenty of time to do, and I will get into this a little bit later while I was laid up all of last week, was I did a ton of draft prep. Yeah. I mean, an endless amount of draft prep. And here's what I will say. You never know how good anybody is going to wind up being. Most of it is circumstantial, which is to say it, 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 it has to do with the circumstances they wind up in. More young quarterbacks are ruined in the NFL, destroyed, than they are developed. Yeah. That said, the level of question marks that exist around the big quarterbacks in this draft are uh, concerning. Like, like I, I feel like there are real questions. That if, if you're going to separate this into a big three, then we're talking about Bryce Young, and we all understand what the question mark is about him. We're talking about Will Levis, who has a cannon for an arm. And as far as I can figure out, I'm not sure what else. Um, and then you got C.J. Stroud, about whom there have been all these questions, I think, because of the system that he comes out of and because not every week did he look the way that he looked against Georgia. And then you get into names like Anthony Richardson, who might wind up being an all-time great and might wind up never playing at all. Yeah. I'm starting to hear Hendon Hooker's name in all of this as, as a potential first-round pick. I can't believe I'm hearing that. So I tell you what, teams that need quarterbacks, they need to be on the move getting these guys right now. That, to me, that is the route this year. No doubt about it. And to your point about all of the guys having questions at the top of this year's draft, I will say this, C.J. Stroud seems to be the player that has the fewest amount of questions. The only thing that I've heard, and I trust this person, the source down in Carolina, said that – his ability to be able to see the field and process that information is a bit of a concern. But in terms of his size, his mechanics, his pocket awareness, his ability to separate from defenders that are rushing the passer, I think all of those things are boxes that were checked, and a lot of them happened in that college football playoff game. So if your goal as a general manager is to mitigate the downside, the potential risk associated with taking one of these players, C.J. Stroud should be the first overall pick. Now, when it comes to Bryce Young, I got to say this. The size scares the hell out of me. Yeah. He's not Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was short, but Kyler Murray is, is stocky. Bryce Young is small. I saw him doing an interview with Steve Smith, my former teammate, and Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network, and he was the smallest of the three. Mm-hmm. When you're smaller than an NFL reporter, that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, he's 5'10", probably going to play at 190 to 195 pounds. He's going to have guys my size chasing after him and hitting him. I don't know that he's going to be able to hold up. We saw that issue this this past year with him being knocked out of a couple of games due to injury. So his ability to stay healthy concerns me. Now, oh, in yes. terms of his ability to spin it, in terms of him processing information, he can do all of the things, Greeny. But the best ability is availability. Shout out to Herm Edwards. And I have serious questions about Bryce Young being able to Well, do let that. me add a thought or two to what you just said. One of them is that, Kyler, yes, Kyler Murray is definitively bigger, quote-unquote bigger than him, and he's hurt. Yep. And the second thing I will say is Bryce Young and I are the same size. I am slightly bigger than him, actually. And I'm sitting next to you right now. And the only thing I can say with certainty is that if you hit me, I would remain hit. <laughs> and there would never come a time when I would be unhit from that experience. And, and so, I mean, that is the part of this that makes me nervous. And then the one last thing, uh, very quickly, is the Lamar Jackson. Catch me up. Like, where, where are we with all of this? Is that ever going to get worked out? Yeah, you know what? I think this is going to take a while. And what Ozzie Newsom said on the Bernie Kosar show last week was interesting, and I feel like it's noteworthy. He said he wasn't sure whether or not the Deshaun Watson contract will be the norm or if it's an outlier. To that, it means for me, 
that not only are the two sides apart, but we're waiting to see what else happens in the marketplace. And, Greeny, we all know that this is an offseason where Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts are first-time contract eligible. I think the Baltimore Ravens are waiting to see what happens with those guys, too. We understand that for teams paying franchise quarterbacks, it behooves them to do it sooner rather than later. So I would be shocked if those teams don't approach those quarterbacks with contract extensions this offseason. I would be equally as shocked if those players accept any deal that would be less than fully guaranteed Mm. with the extension part of it. So I think both sides, Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens, are waiting to see what happens and how that plays out. But as we move closer to July 15th, there becomes more time pressure on the Baltimore Ravens side because they've got a $32 million cap hold for a player that may or may not show up to play on a one-year proposition. Wow, it is delightful of you to stick around and do this, Chris Canty. Thank you. Good to see you, and thank you guys for all the uh, the support that while I was away and everything else. Uh, starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. I have a lot of thoughts about what happened yesterday, and you're going to hear them next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. It's Demon Time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg, code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Hembo is alongside here as we are in New York. And Bubba and Cam 
are in Bristol, I'm told, with a team of engineers that are trying to work on uh, the technical problems we have. Bubba, were you just saying to me, I, we can't put you on the air because we can't hear you? Is that is that so I can't, I should not welcome you and say hello to you? Well, like, can you hear me now? I hear you, yes. All right, well, so we can do it if I turn my mic down and then also hold down talkback. So... <laughs> <laughs> so can, can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you. Oh, you are. So you can hear me. Yes, I hear you. Wow, that's it. So now the question is: Does anyone but us hear you? I don't hear you, Bubba. It, it's I don't hear Hembo. So I mean, outside <laughs> of that, well, that's, that's what he wanted. Also, oh, is, all right. Well, you can hear me then. That's good. So. I hear you. So I'm just going to talk to to Bubba at this point. We'll see how that goes. Fast. Uh, I do not hear Hembo, who is seated alongside to my left here, but we'll just do the best we can. All right. I was going to give you March Madness takes here, but it's going to be very difficult to do because I really wanted to ask everyone all these questions, and I don't know how to go about doing that. So we'll just do the best we can. While I was away last week and, and a little bit later when we aren't having these problems, I'll talk a little bit about the week that I've just had and the experience that it was. I don't want to do that under these circumstances. Um... But uh, more than maybe any other year, look, the NCAA tournament, I think, every single year is as good as any sporting event that we have. Top to bottom, we don't have anything better we do in this country. I've said it a million times. It's the worst way to decide a champion, but it is the best event to watch all year long. And because I have had, not only have I not had anything else to do, but I've had the inability to do practically anything else. I think I've watched more tournament games this year than any other year of my life. I've seen everything. And so I do not think this is just recency bias or hyperbole when I say I don't think the tournament has ever been better than it was this year. I'm I'm just, Hembo, you tell me if you think I'm overstating that. But every single game, it feels like, is Three and a half minutes left, and it's two points. I mean, look, look every single game. I, I know we had a couple of blowouts on Friday night, but even those were incredibly compelling because the one seeds were losing. So, you know, you got you got Houston getting worked uh, by Miami. You got Alabama losing to San Diego State, and then those games weren't one possession games with thirty seconds left. But they were endlessly watchable because the one seeds are going down. I think the tournament has been incredible. Yeah, me too. I watched as much as I have in any year also, even though my bracket is just horrible. Zero final But everyone's is. No one has any of the final But Some people have Connecticut. What I'm saying, though, I'm a little bit surprised that I was still so incredibly invested despite that. Some people, once they lose their bracket challenge, lose interest in the tournament. That was not at all the case for me. Like, to me, this year demonstrates the magic of the event, the beauty of the event. You don't necessarily want seeds like this, teams like this in the Final Four every single year, but the fact that it is possible is what makes this tournament so incredibly good. Maybe it's the worst way to decide a national champion. It is endlessly entertaining, and I was so happy for the coaches, so happy for the players, and there seems to be something of a shift in college basketball now where the experience, and these things will start to matter a lot more, I think. The one-and-done thing is shot. Like, we're not going to keep... We still might see Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and North Carolina go back to the Final Four every year like we saw it last year. Maybe this is just a blip. But what I'm seeing is a lot of experience, and that adds up in a big way in a tournament for which continuity is a huge value point. Yeah, I think the first part of what you said there I agree with thoroughly, and that is this, that when you lose your bracket, when your bracket is no longer a factor, and mine was not basically after the second round, I was done going into the Sweet 16. Um Frequently, what happens is 
you don't watch anymore. Like, like at least in my case, I'm, I'm out of this thing. I'm not even going to watch. If you watch, what I'm saying to you as a sports fan is, if you just put the game on, it, it takes care of the rest by itself. Like, that's what I'm trying to tell you, is you may not have the same individual investment in it that you normally do because you're trying to win a pool or whatever the case may be. But if you just give the games a chance, they take care of the rest by themselves. And they've been so good. And that's why I was so frustrated that yesterday's game, and I have no rooting interest between San Diego State and Creighton. Are you kidding? I mean, what, what, how on earth could I care less about anything than I care about who wins between San Diego State and Creighton? But I found myself thinking it is a terrible shame as that game went on that either of them has to lose because it was so good and the teams were so appealing and the coaches and everything else. And that makes it all the more disappointing that it is decided at the end by a call like that. Like that, that really bothered me. And look, this is not a conversation about whether that should be a foul in a vacuum. This is not a conversation about whether officials should swallow the whistle in the final second of a game. This is a conversation about how in this game yesterday, nothing was a foul. Nothing. I immediately went and looked it up as soon as this game was over. Out of the four games in the Elite Eight this weekend, and one of them hadn't been played yet, but now this stat holds. The total number of fouls called were 39, 37, 30, and 22. One of them is a dramatic outlier, and it was this one. Mm. The 22nd foul called in that game was that one with one second left. What does that tell you? It tells you they weren't calling fouls, and frankly, it was a delight. It was a physical game. Both teams were playing hard. There was a lot of contact, and they were letting it go. And that's what bothers me. It's not that it shouldn't be a foul if there's one second left. It's not that it wasn't a foul because it was. Again, I'm not trying to suggest that if he hit him in the head with a sledgehammer, you shouldn't blow the whistle. But I'm saying that the defense, the defense on that play was consistent with the level of physicality that was being played and not called all day long. So to decide the game with one second left with that whistle I hated it. Those 22 fouls that you just mentioned were the fewest combined foul calls <coughs> in any game in the NCAA tournament this year. Okay. Any round. Even better. The shooter's uh, motion was not affected. Maybe it was by 1%, but you can't honestly watch that, at least not live. I mean, if you want to slow it down in granular replay, I suppose. But you couldn't possibly watch that live and say, yeah, that's the best way for this game to end. Reminded me a little bit of the Super Bowl, but there needs to be an art and science to this. It's not just a science. By the letter of the law, they may have gotten this right. But by the letter of the law, there would have been at least twice that many fouls called in the game. What just happened is that your team just lost because the umpire rung you up in the ninth inning on a pitch three inches off the plate, and he has not called that pitch once the entire game. That is completely unsatisfactory. Even if they had been calling fouls, like this throughout the game. To me, this is a no call, but especially because they were not, it is most definitely a no call. Yeah, very, very frustrating. Let me get Bubba in on this. Bubba, turn a microphone and your talk back on, and let's see if this works. Did you, what did you, because I'm trying to find someone who disagrees with me. Seth Greenberg on TV agreed with me. Vince Carter on TV looked like he was going to disagree and then agreed with me. Jay Williams agreed with me. Hembo agreed with me. I'm looking for someone who thinks, no, no, justice was served here. That's the, that was the right way for that 
to be officiated. Bubba, where are you on this? Uh, I'm right there with you, and I think possibly Hembo actually might be hearing me too right now. Is that correct? Hembo? I am. All right, nice. Mike plus talkback. We're doing some things. No, I, I think um, I, I agree with what you're saying because I think it was a foul, yes, and I actually do think from the ref's viewpoint, it actually looked more like a foul. If you, if you think about where he was, it looked worse from where he was, that angle. It looked kind of worse than it actually was, but the biggest factor of all of it was they didn't call anything like that the entire game, so you, you just can't do that at the end but to so I, i'm with you 100 on that but to me the most frustrating thing out of all of that was the absurd 13 minute review that happened after it that these games just take so long with these reviews that are just are just killing me that's, and then the result just, of the review which I don't is even know what the result was the literally the result of the review was we're done here like that's literally what they ruled they yeah, said they right, you know what yeah. we're done here so I, I can't, I cannot explain for anyone listening to us right now who didn't see it exactly how this thing ended yesterday because I'm still not sure I fully understand it. I think there was a stopwatch. <laughs> you either saw it or you didn't. That's the point. But down by one with 1.2 seconds left and un- inbounding from underneath their own basket, Creighton throws a ball all the way down the court that gets tipped by two players, one on either team. I think it was going to be San Diego State ball anyway, but we'll never know because what they decided was, even though the ball bounced out of bounds, landed out of bounds with .3 seconds left, that they thought by use of a stopwatch, according to Gene Steratore, that the clock didn't start until more than .3 seconds after that ball touched someone's hand. So you know what? The game is over. They just took, they did about, to your point, a 13-minute instant replay ruling in which what they determined was the game is over. And that, if that isn't the most anticlimactic way for a sporting event to end that I've ever seen, I'm not sure what is. Greeny, you know what we need less of? We need less officiating in sports. We just, we, we badly need less officiating in sports. This was like the best book you've ever read. The best movie you've ever seen. And it was unbelievably compelling for the first 38 minutes. And the last two minutes, it saps all of the drama out of something that is incredibly good, incredibly pure, incredibly entertaining. No one's interest is being served by people using an abacus and a stopwatch and everything in between to determine tenths of seconds. This is not the way to do things. I've said it many times. Sports are meant to be enjoyed. They serve no other purpose. Obviously, you want to get the calls right. But at what expense? We had this incredible tournament, this incredible game. And here at the end, we have to sit through this slog to reach that incredibly unsatisfying conclusion. It just ain't good enough. Yeah, you, I, I agree. mean, you say that sports are meant to be enjoyed. The ending of college basketball games, all of them, are so excruciating. The root canal. It's, it's brutal. Whether, whether it's reviews, Ugh. timeouts, it's just all of them. The last three minutes could, has to take 20 minutes every time, no matter what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, the NBA isn't taking, a whole lot better, by yeah, the way. No, that's, that's fair. Yeah. But, but here, here, let me say this in response to that, Bubba. That I have been, and anyone who's been listening to me for years is aware of this, I have been a vocal proponent of instant replay. And I remain that. No one will ever convince me that instant replay isn't good for sports. Here's the problem. It's being used totally wrong. I've given you my one look rule. Instant replay is meant to overturn a call that anyone who looks at it once knows was wrong. The call at the end of the NFC Championship game that robbed uh, New Orleans of going forward. That one you didn't need to look at a second time. The official should go over to the monitor or whoever it is that's looking at it 
and they should say, run that back again. And after they watch it one time, there should be one question. Was that ridiculously obviously missed or not? Don't give me 51-49. You got to give me 99-1. There's no question that call was missed. Then, fine. Now overturn it. That won't take 13 minutes. That'll take a second. And to your point, there's no way in the world to the naked eye, you watch that thing and said, oh, yeah, there's definitely 0.3 seconds unaccounted for at the end of that game. I can't even say it with a straight face. It's so ridiculous. So that, that was a very frustrating way for the thing to end. And what makes me the most upset about it is that it gives credence to all the people who want to tell you that instant replay is bad. The answer to this is not getting rid of instant replay, but the people who are against it. My buddy Dan Graziano, you know Graziano obviously as well as I do. We love him. He has, been, he has become an integral piece of what we do on Get Up all the time, and he's a great reporter and he's a really good guy. He hates instant replay in everything. His answer to everything is always get rid of replay. And as these things, Bubba, to your point, as the last two minutes of these games are consistently being ruined by going over to the monitor and looking at everything, all I can think of is him saying to me, Greeny, just get rid of it, just get rid of it, just get rid of it, when the answer is not get rid of it. The answer is use it right. Give me one look. Is that wrong? I I can't tell. Okay, we're gone. Call stands. Play stands as called. We move on to the next play. It's that simple. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. So there were a lot of reasons to be frustrated with the way that game ended yesterday, and I think it is just sort of a shame. And the biggest part of it that is a shame is that this tournament has been so good. The kids are so good, and I like it. Now, I know people are going to say that the ratings will be down for the Final Four, and I'm sure they will be. Last year we had Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova. This year we have San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, UConn, which is, you know, obviously they have some, some uh, tradition. Um, and, and who am I forgetting? Who Miami. The team? Oh, and Miami. First time in the Final Four. You know, historically certainly better known <coughs> for its success in football than basketball. I got to tell you, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to the games. The games have been so good that there's no question I'm going to watch. And not because it's my job or anything else. I'm looking forward to watching the games. And I've gotten invested in the players. Mm. If you watch it consistently, see, one of the problems they have in college basketball is because the regular season has been so diminished in consequence because the only thing we care about is the tournament. And here's the best example of that I can give you. Um, Did Purdue have a good year or a bad year? A bad year. Terrible year, right? The worst year. Purdue won the Big Ten. They won the Big Ten regular season. They won the Big Ten tournament. They had one of the best seasons of any team in college basketball. There's not one person who feels like Purdue had a good year. So what that tells you is the tournament is all that matters now. That's the only thing that makes any difference anymore. So because of that, fewer people, including me, are watching the regular season games. So I start to get invested in these players when the tournament starts. As opposed to the old days where you would know the players from year after year after year and Grant Hill is on Duke and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's but those days are long gone. Now I start getting invested, but I'm so invested. I know the kids on San Diego State now. I've watched them for two weeks. I know the kids on this UConn team. I know the kids on the Florida Atlantic. I've got I like the coach. 
So I am in. I hope everyone will enjoy watching the Final Four. I mean, I, I, again, it's not my network. It doesn't really matter to me that much but uh, what the ratings come out to be. But I'm definitely going to be watching. All right, coming up next, I've got a hot take. And all of you who sent me nice notes, and I told you you're going to be mad at me, I'm going to say something that you're going to get mad at me and yell at me for, I'm going to say it next. <laughs> because you're going to think you hate my idea, but in reality, it's a good idea. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, right, Greeny, with you here on ESPN Radio. I think we got our technical issues worked out, which is nice. We got Hembo, Bubba, and Cam alongside, which is even better. And delighted you are there. And it is a big uh, week for us. Next week, the book it will be out. It is called Got Your Number. I'm starting to field uh, all kinds of press stuff on it, uh, and we'll be more of that this week and then a lot of it next week. And uh, the level of enthusiasm for it is really high. And so we thank everyone who has pre-ordered the book and we ask if you are interested to please do so right now. You can order it anywhere you get your books. Um, the book is called Got Your Number, and the author is me, but all of the work, or half of the work, was done by Hembo. <clears throat> and I want to mention the first debate we're going to have from it is set for tomorrow night. So there is something called Talk Shop Live, which is a very big um, internet, it's like a Zoom-esque kind of place where you can go and hang out and listen to really cool, insightful conversations. And a lot of people go on there when they're having books out. Chris Paul is among the people who are doing one this week. And so are we. So we are going to debate. We invited Chris Mad Dog Russo and R.C. Ryan Clark to do our talk shop live. You can register to be a part of it. It's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And you can also get autographed copies of the book by being a part of our Talk Shop Live. So you can either go to TalkShopLive.com and just search my name, or I have pasted the link, or posted, well, excuse me, I've, I've uh, pinned the link to the top of my Twitter page. So go to the top of at ESPN Greeny. There's a link there for Talk Shop Live, and you can hang out with Mad Dog Russo, Ryan Clark, Hembo, and me as we debate some of the numbers in the new book. It's called Got Your Number, and it will be in stores everywhere a week from tomorrow. Having said that, 
I have a little bit of unsolicited advice. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. You know what I don't love in college basketball? It's true in the NBA as well, but it's a bigger problem in college. In college basketball, I hate it when an important player picks up his second foul with 12 minutes left in the first half. I hate that because then that guy is going to sit. And I was having conversations. My nephews were over this week at one point watching games with me. And this happened. I don't remember what game it was, but you all know what I'm talking about. And I said, you know, this is the only sport where the officials can actually take players off the field. Like in baseball, they can, you know, call you out or save for whatever it is. In football, they can call a penalty on you. They can call multiple penalties on you. But if you don't punch someone in the face, you're not getting thrown out of the game. Hockey, it's the same. Basketball is the one where if you accumulate enough fouls, they take you off the court. And I thought, I can solve that problem if we think it's a problem. And add a little interesting layer of strategy to late-game situations. I propose this. And this is where I promise you're going to get mad at me. You're going to say, Greeny, we spent all week telling you how much we loved you last week while you were laid up, coming off the surgery, and now you're back one day, and here you are making me furious with these insane takes. But here it comes. In my opinion, players in college basketball, and we can debate whether this would work for the NBA or not, should not foul out when they receive their fifth foul. However... When a player receives his fifth foul and every subsequent foul that player commits, the penalty to his team is two shots and the ball. Hey, Greeny. Yes? I got to stop you real quick. You got to go to Lamar Jackson's Twitter feed. Oh. We have breaking news. Oh, okay. Thank you. I mean, I will get myself Long story short, as of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization from Lamar Jackson. Oh, my goodness. Holy Whoa. smoke. Mm. A letter to my fans. I want to... Fr- okay, Bubba, well done. This is directly from Lamar Jackson's Twitter feed three minutes ago. A letter to my fans. I want to first thank you all for all of the love and support you consistently show towards me. All of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions. Hembo, can you tell where it goes from there? Because this is not a a direct... In regards to my future plans... Go, keep reading. As of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens have not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone uh, that has met me or been around me know I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You are all great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. All right, I'm up against a break. We have a lot to react to, obviously, and we'll do it next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.